keep saying that. I have one more week, and then I'm done with this uh, series on David and Goliath. And um, there's so much here to chew on and about with that. Uh, so with that, let me move my stuff here. All right, are you ready for today? Are you ready for God? Are you ready for the Word of God? All right, I'm going to humble myself. Lord, I humble myself in your sight. I am, I am your servant. And apart from you, we can do nothing. So I pray that today what I say is from you. What I say is your word to these awesome people that would not just encourage them, not just give them something to think about, but something for them to do to change their lives, to change the community where they live, to change the world that you've called us to. Because you've got great things for every person in this room. And we want to receive it today in Jesus' name. All right, okay, so what I want you to do is I want you to, to wake up physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. And what I'm going to say today will mean nothing to you or it will mean a lot to you, but it depends on your heart, okay? It depends on you wanting to receive what God wants to do. And, and I, I believe this series has been very important. And so I want you to turn, let me get back there, First Samuel chapter 17. And we're, we're going on the account of, of David and Goliath, and I'm... Do I, I don't have the notes, uh, I don't have the actual sermon, the scriptures, or do I? First Samuel 17, let me give you the, the account now. So as, as you know, we've been talking about David and Goliath. The armies of Israel were encamped and they were facing the Philistines. The Philistines were coming to them every day. And of course, their Goliath, their giant nine foot tall, was challenging the army of Israel. The army of Israel every day, would, they would get there and say, ah, we're going to win, we're going to win. And then as Goliath would get out and shouted and, and mock them and curse them, they would run the other way. And of course, you now you know David was sent by his father. He had some sub sandwiches and some cheese for the armies and for his brothers. And his brothers weren't excited that he was there. David is, is, is shocked that no one's doing anything. And so, so he says, what will happen uh, for the man that, that comes a giant? This will be done. And of course, David says, I will do something. And so now we're at the point where now Saul, remember Saul pulls him up and says, you're just a boy. He's a fighting man from his youth. You're just a boy. And, and uh, he tries to put his armor on him. And now David says, okay, this isn't going to work. So David has a sling and he, put, he picks up five smooth stones. And so here, here we go. I'm going to pick this up. Um... I'm just looking to see if I have enough light, so let me pull my... Because, you know, when you get older, when you turn 51, you have to have reading glasses sometimes. So, First uh, Samuel 17, 48. And so here, here's what happens. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and, and taking out a stone, he slung it and, strung, and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone stuck, sank into his forehead and he, fail, he fell face down on the ground. So this is, uh, the, the Bible is, is true. It's real. Okay? And in this, uh, and it, it amazes me because we live in a, a world where, um, you know, in church sometimes we can't talk about reality. We can't talk about grossness. We can't talk about tough th- stuff. But yet on TV and in the world we watch this gore all the time and, and you go to school and you hear the music and it's all, you know, and, you know, it just, it's, it's just in your face. It's raw. It's violent. It's cursing. And so then we come to church. Oh, I can't really. Oh my goodness. God, that was violent back in the day. It's, it's, did you notice it's still violent today? Right? Come on. Come on. Amen. What makes us think that the, the world is any different than it was then? And so when we read about this stuff, when we hear about this, we're like, oh my goodness, this is not a PG-13. The Bible is never meant to be PG-13. The Bible is meant to give you and I life. And it talks about the reality. So here it is. So David takes the sling, the stone. He runs to, to Goliath. He swings one sling, one stone. It, it sinks in his forehead. And here we go. We're going to pick it up again. Okay? Um, 
verse 50. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Verse 51. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine sword and, and sword and drew it from the scabbard. And after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Then the Philistines saw that their hero was dead. They turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Shiharan road to Gath and Ekron. When the, when the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. David took the Philistine head and brought it to Jerusalem and he put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. Okay, so here now, imagine with me again what's happening. So David... Again, he doesn't have armor, he doesn't have an M16, he doesn't have an M1 Abrams, he does not have the Air Force F16, there's no uh, uh, Cobra attack helicopter coming. He goes out there, he faces this giant with a sling and a stone. Okay, He doesn't have a sword, he takes him out, he goes and he takes Goliath's sword, he cuts off his head, and as soon as he does that, remember now, the children of Israel, the army of Israel, were in bondage and fear of the giant. And once the giant was killed and his head was severed and and that the armies of Israel surged because the Philistines ran in fear. Here's the point today. You and I need to face the truth. We're facing some difficult situations. Okay? And the world is trying to tell you that you're nobody, that you were just this little church, you're just this little believer, and, and the, the, the giants of your life are trying to hold you back, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a fear, whether it's a, a debt, it's, it's an issue in the world, whatever it is, the enemy is trying to keep you from living your life. And you know what? That really should get you ticked off. Come on, amen? You see, David was mad because the children of Israel, the, the people of God, were not living as the people of God. And, I, and me as your pastor and, and, and a minister of the gospel, I am upset that the church is not living as the church should be as the people of God. Come on, amen. This church needs to take some giants out. The giants of political correctness, the giants of fear, the giants of whatever, whatever's holding you back from knowing and living out God's purpose. You need to attack it. You need to face the truth and say, you know what, we're going to take this giant out by the power of God. Amen? So then, so then David takes the head of, this is, I mean, this would be like sick, but he takes the head of Goliath, we'll talk about that, and he walks around with, with the head, and it was to show this foul-mouthed giant who was cursing God, cursing the army of Israel, he is dead now. And you see, some of you, you're like, oh, pastor, you, this is gross, I don't know, but the stuff you watch is more gross. Come on. Uh, some of the foul-mouthed stuff that you listen to on TV and music is worse than this. And so you and I need to deal with this foul-mouthed world, this world that's telling you to live like this or to live in fear, and we need to chop its head off and say, no, I'm a child of God. God has a plan for my life. Come on, Ann. I'm tired of the church living in fear of the world. Well, we can't do that. Why can't we? We're the church of Almighty God. Amen? And that song we sang at the end, that Jesus, He's overcome. And we still live like we're, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to... Oh, the elections, Pastor Stan. You know what? I've given up on politicians. I pray for them and I pray for this land. And I'm like, God, I'm glad you're still on the throne. Amen? Well, Pastor, the economy, you know, with the Zika virus and the zombie apocalypse. And, and I know I mentioned that, but it's God is still on the throne. And you and I need to stop living in fear of what the world's telling us to live in fear. And we say, you know what? God has a plan for my life and I want to be free. How many of you love snakes? Nobody loves snakes. So, so I have a few snake stories, and I, I want to share one from the author of this book I've been reading. Uh, so, so in the summertime, I, I, and I, I love that it's getting warm, praise God. I know we had a little snow. 
but I get to ride my bike outside. And, and where I ride my bikes, I, I ride my bikes in streets and trails and dirt paths. And every once in a while I see squirrels, um, deer, I see snakes, uh, you know. And so, so one, I think it was last summer, I believe, and um, I, w- I was riding my bike in this park. And, and, of course, I'm riding and I see this big, long, black thing laying across the path. And I think, what is that? What is that thing? And, I, and as I get closer, I see that it's kind of moving a little bit and it's sunning itself. That's a big old snake. So this is fun. So, so I rode over it to my bike. Said, yeah, get some of that snake. And, uh, and so it was kind of funny. And then, I, so then I rode over and he just sat there and it didn't do anything to him. I just had a mountain bike. No big deal. And so then I, I ride a couple miles around this path and I come back around the path and I see he's still there. I'm like, this is fun. But by the time then he's kind of moved off a little bit off the path. So I didn't have to hit him this time. Um, because I, I don't, Snakes, you know. Anyway, so I, I see that he kind of then moves back. I'm looking back, and there's this lady jogging. And, and God bless you if you're a jogger. How many of you like to jog and run for exercise? How many of you don't know what you do for exercise? God bless you. Um, uh, I, I only run in the wintertime. So anyway, so it's funny because here's the thing. So I try to be one of those polite bikers. Some like, oh, you're one of those goofy bikers. And so I try to announce with people, hey, I'm on your left. I'm on your left or I'm on your right. Letting them know I'm coming behind them. And a lot of times people have their earphones in and, and they can't hear a thing that I'm saying. So I'm like yelling, I'm on your left. I'm on your left. And they're like still, they're still running, you know. And they're, sometimes the joggers are meh, all over the path. I'm like, I'm on your left, I'm on your right, I'm on your left. Can, can you do something? So this lady, I saw her in the past, she was one of those ones, she didn't hear me. And so when I passed her the first time, she's like startled, like, oh, and I go, like, well, I announced, I announced. And uh, so, so I see her coming back around, and she's coming to the snake. So I stop my bike, and I'm like waving at her, trying to get her attention. Hey, there's, but again, she's got her earphones in, and she's jogging everywhere. And I'm like, hey, that snake. I like, this is funny. I said, this is funny. I'm just going to wait and see. She doesn't pay attention. She doesn't care. She's annoyed. So all of a sudden, she comes to the snake, the big, long, black snake. He's now fully put himself back out in the path, sunning himself. And so it's funny, because she's just having no care. And all of a sudden, she's, ah! I see, I was like, she's, Oh, she runs off, and anyway, so that's my snakes. I see snakes, but if the snake scared her, right? So Dr. Mike Riggs has a, a, another snake story. We'll get into here in a second. Is that um, one day he was walking out of his house, his front door, and he steps on this cool, dark thing, and of course it's a snake. He runs in the house. The snake slithers off to the off to the bushes, and so that day he's looking for the snake. He's got a rake out there. If you ever had had snakes, they're they're not. You know, some of you love snakes. Some of you are fearful of snakes. I just don't like snakes because probably because of Genesis one, or Genesis, you know, the book of Genesis. Um, and, and so, so he he runs off. And so every day he said for for I don't know how long for maybe a year or months. Every day before he would go outside, he would look out his window to see to make sure there was no snake in the door, and and so there was no snake on the on the on the steps as he went out. So this snake caused him to change his routine. He was living in fear of a snake. Now, some of you are like, oh, Pastor Sam, we've had snakes in our home and we eat snakes. And I've heard snakes taste like chicken, but I don't know. Uh, I've never had snake. And so this snake changed his path. It changed his life. And you see, in our, in our world, in, in our lives, there are things that try to change our path and try to change our routine. If specifically, Goliath had changed the path of, of Israel. They were trying to keep them from fulfilling God's purpose. And in your life, the, who we would call the ultimate serpent is Satan. He is trying to keep you from living your life out. And the reality is, he really has no power over you unless you give him power. And you see, that snake, and I've, I'll t- continue on here in a few moments, that snake 
changed Dr. Rake's life, that he was fearful of it. And he, and he changed it. He would check every day. I'm not going to do that. So here's what I want to do. Is I want to challenge you today. Today, God is going to speak. Some of you, you've changed your life because of the snake. You've changed your life routine because of the giants in your life. And God is telling you today, it is time to face up to it. And it is time to destroy that snake or that giant and be free. Come on, amen. So are you ready? So take this down. Number one is you will need to face the truth. You will need to face the truth. I, I love that Jesus is the truth, right? Come on. John 8.31 says, To the Jews who had been who believed him, Jesus said, I, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We quote this all the time. And the, the fact is, Jesus is the truth. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. And so, if you know Jesus, you know the truth. And if you believe Jesus, and if you believe what we sang and we've talked about, that Jesus has you, you, even if you die, you're going to be with him in heaven. So no matter what the world throws at you, whatever snakes you step on, whatever the giant is, you've got to face the truth. I know Jesus, and these things are trying to keep me from knowing who God wants me to be. And right now, I'm not living that way. I'm not living in God's purpose because I'm allowing the stuff of the world, the giant, the snake, to keep me from living my life. You see, the truth was, David was just, again, a shepherd boy. He was just a sandwich delivery boy. David was looked down upon. Remember, I already went, to, I'm not going to go into much detail, but his dad didn't even seem, see fit to have David at the, the anointing of the king. When, when Samuel says to David, or to his father Jesse, Jesse, bring your sons. One of your sons is going to be the king. He didn't even bring David. That's, that's, that's how well he thought of him. And then he goes and, and, and David then brings his sandwiches, bread and, and cheese. His brothers didn't like him. They despised him. The king, King Saul, only saw him as a little boy, you know, the shepherd boy. Uh, it's very interesting because if you read in the scriptures, David was playing the harp before this time for Saul because Saul was troubled. And at the end here, when, when, when David kills a giant, Saul still says, who, who is this? He, he, he still, he's just looking down on David. And to Goliath, David was a joke. You know, my dog that you send this little boy after me? But to God, David was somebody. And here's what I want to tell you, and I love what Gabby said, that, that all the junk that people feed into you, the lies, the hate, the venom, the hurt, the poison, and you, you demean yourself, you start thinking about that. David did not do that. He said, you know what? I know God, and I know God has a plan for my life. And I don't care what my brothers say. I don't care what the king says. I don't care what the giant says. I am a child of God and I have purpose in my life. And I want to challenge you. Some of you need to shake off the slumber, shake off the garbage of the world, shake off this lie of the devil. Say, you know what? I am a child of God and I have purpose. Come on, amen. Your kids have purpose. You have purpose. And so the truth was this. The army and the king, they were in bondage to this giant. That was the truth. The fact of the matter, the truth is, the church in America is in bondage to political correctness. We're in bondage to the world system. We're, we're, we're trapped by the world. And, and David, he didn't look at, at this as bondage. He said, this is an opportunity for God to show his power. And too many times in the church, we look at the world system, we look at our issues, we look at our life, and from a, a financial perspective, we only have $10 and we had a $30 bill. We, we, we only have 10 people to, to do this job and we need 50 people. And did you know God is a great multiplier? And you've got to begin to believe that God can take small things and do great things. You see, the truth is today, 
Some of you are, have faced or are facing hard times. You were treated unfairly. You had a bad upbringing. Maybe there's a life-controlling habit that, that you just can't break. Maybe your relationships are strained or broken. I'm here to tell you that God, in a second, can change all of that. Even though you may not believe that, I'm going to challenge you that you need to believe the truth is God can overcome anything just like that. I love the testimony of the missionary saying that they prayed for this man and his arm was healed just like that. And sometimes it takes a lifetime. Sometimes it takes weeks and months and years, but sometimes it's instantaneous. But for you to face your giant, you're going to have to get real boldness and real courage from God. Because see, that's where David was. Because David had a relationship with God. He knew his purpose. And I want to challenge you. I want you to know your purpose by knowing God. Come on, amen? And I want you to face your giants. I want you to know that you may not be able to take your giant out by yourself. But if you remember we read, David didn't say, he said, I didn't come to you with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. And he says, God will take you out. And so I want you to begin to speak to your giants. It's not your power. It's not your authority. But it's the power of Christ. Whatever that thing, that bad experience that's cold, holding you back, that, that, those words that maybe were said in your home years ago or said, said at work or whatever it is, I challenge you. So you know what? I take those words captive and I speak against them. And in the name of Jesus, I'm free of those. Too many of you in this room are holding on to the past as a, as a, as a chain or a ball and chain or as that giant. So you've got to face your giant knowing that God has given you the power to overcome. First John 5, 4 and 5. For everyone born of God, I love this, we sang this, overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So God wants you to be free today. Come on, amen? All you need to do is believe in God and you will be free. So the second part of this, number two, David's source of boldness. You know, David was, was, he was confident. He was confident, but his source was found that God did not change. Jesus says in, in Hebrews, I, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I know I talk about this and I know I encourage you, but there are times I forget that the God that delivered me last week can deliver me today. The God that provided for my life last year or ten years ago or five years ago or five minutes ago can deliver me tomorrow. Come on, amen? We get so consumed with this world and especially the rat race lifestyle here that we forget that God is able to do all things. He does not change. Come on, amen? He does not change. And so David knew that. God helped him defeat a lion and bear because God does not change. He can be trusted all the time. Come on, say that. God can be trusted all the time. I want you to live in that. I want you to believe that. I want you to see God overcoming, helping you overcome. You see, David's greatest source of boldness was not in the fact of David's ability, but that God knew David's name. God knows your name. He's pleased with you. He loves talking. He, he hits Michael the Archangel. Hey, did you see Pastor Raphael? Did you see Paul? Did you see Jill? They're my favorite. Of course, we're all his favorite. Come on. And he, he's always bragging about you. I mean, you know, like the grandparents when you, when you see friends. Now, nowadays, you don't have to pull out your wallet. You just pull out your cell phone, right? Let me show you all these pictures. You're like, oh, I got to go. I got a meeting. You know, it's, that's nice. Your grandkids look great. That's fine. But I got to go. And you see, God knows your name. Say, God knows my name. You've got to believe it. I'm serious. Some of you, you're on the edge of a breakthrough and you just need to know that God knows you. 
And he wants the best for you. And you've got to stop listening to the lies of the devil. You've got to stop the snake from controlling your life or the giant. You see, David was not the strongest or best warrior. He was just confident in the God who could deliver him. And I want to tell you, you may not be the best employee. You may, you may not have the skills and the abilities. You, you, you may not be educated. It doesn't really matter. You just need to know that God knows you. He knows your name and He knows that He wants to help you overcome. He wants to bless you. Come on, amen? So think about that. Think about that. I mean, really, I wish I could go into this. Think about it. God, the Creator of the universe, knows your name. Wednesday night we taught we, we, we watched a, a video series a video lesson by Louis Giglio and he talked about these the in, in, indescribable the God of the universe who created all the universe and, and and all these things he has a name for every star and they say every second a new star is being made and God has a name for the billions and billions of stars but here's my point is in spite of that he knows your name he knows who you are and he knows his plan for you but the question is do we know his name. Do we know his plan? And you see, you and I struggle with confidence. We struggle with boldness because we don't know who we really are authentically. Well, I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. I'm a Latino. I'm, I'm Indian. I'm Asian. I'm, I'm African American. That's fine. That's part of your life. But that's not really who you are. You see, too many of you in this room, you're living to be what someone else wants you to be. I was thinking about that this morning, going through my high school years ago. I mean, I was thinking about that how many many years. But I remember going to the high school counselor my my last year, and God bless them, they wanted the best. And they they remember they look over your scores, they look over your stuff, and they say, you know what, you would probably good at this. Do they still do that in schools today? And I don't like that because it's like you know you're you're a counselor, and that's cool, but you're not God. And you see, God began to stir my life that he had a plan for my life. And I said, that's fine. And, and God bless you. you know. And she was a real nice counselor. And I, and I told her, I said, that's fine that you think that. But I have plans for my life that are different than that. And I'm going to pursue those plans because I knew God had a purpose for my life. And you see, some of you, you, you you're in this career because you were told to get in this career. And it's killing you. You're living this lifestyle trying to be like the Kardashians. Trying to be like... But like Steve Jobs, or you're trying to be Bill Gates, and it's killing you. Why don't you just be you? Be who God has made you to be. And live in the joy. David, he was who he was. That was his confidence. Know that God has a destiny for you. Know that God knows your name. Amen? That should be good preaching. Now, I'm the one that's sick, and you guys are acting like you're sick today. You're like sleeping on me. I'm looking through my notes. You see, the, the, the thoughts of Saul and the army were viewed from a standpoint of a, a, a just starting out nation. And they looked at this from, again, a mil- military point of view, like, we, we can't overcome this giant. Again, David came as an outsider, saying, you know what? God is God. So I want to keep making you think this. Have divergent thinking by saying, you know what? This situation looks impossible, but God is able to make it possible. Come on, amen? I want to share with you that you believe that. You've got to believe that. Your courage and boldness, again, should come from recognizing that God's kingdom is everlasting. Can I just speak just for a second about the elections coming up? Okay, I'm done. I I really, I mean, again, and I do, I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, help us. 
if these are the candidates that are going to be our president. But I'm reminded that God is still on the throne. And you and I don't need to get caught up in that. You, you and I need to get caught up in the, there's a kingdom bigger than the United States. Some of you don't believe that. Really. There's a kingdom bigger. Like, wait a minute, Pastor Dan. I'm, I'm American. Hey, I'm an American too. I was born in this country. I was, I'm a son of a soldier and I'm proud of the United States I'm, and I'm proud to live this nation. I'm proud of my father. But I'm proud that, that I'm also a child of God. And his kingdom is bigger than the United States. And God bless the United States. God bless every nation. God bless every, con- every country and all people. But the kingdom of God is bigger and it's going to last longer than any nation this world has ever seen. And you see, David did not come to the battle thinking we're the armies of Israel. He came to the battle saying, these are the armies of God. How dare you mock God's people? And you see, you and I need to start thinking like that. Our boldness is, you know what? How dare you, Satan, mock God's plan for my life? You see, David won the battle because of right thinking. 1 Samuel 17, 46-47. This is just a few, a few verses before. I want to read this to you. Do I have it? I do. Great. Again, this is David talking to, to the Goliath, the giant. This day, the Lord, look at, look at this. To this day the Lord will hand you over to me and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the, of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and, the, and to the beasts of the earth and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel and those gathered here will know that it is not the sword or the spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's, listen to this, and he will give all of you into our hands. And I want to start challenging you. When you face that giant, that snake, that comes at you, say, you know what? The Lord will bring me victory. I'm out of strength. I may not know what to do, but God will bring victory. Come on, amen? So number three, the importance of, of honesty and vulnerability. The importance of honesty and vulnerability. You see, it's easy for us to sing the songs. It's easy for us to speak the Christianese and I'm an overcomer in Christ and we shall... And it's easy for us to say all that and then when you get out, when you leave church today, you're all excited and then you leave and then you get the call tomorrow morning, right? You open up the mail and there's the, the bill, past due. The doctor says you have this illness or, or the relationship's over or, or maybe the company gives you the, the old pink slip and the, and, the, and the security guard and the cops are there to escort you out of the building. And you're like, wow. What I want to tell you is that God is still with you. And God is still for you. And the importance of honesty is is sometimes just saying the right things aren't going to change it. But knowing the right person can walk you through that. You see, you're going to face giants. You're going to face hard times. But the problem is we don't want to face up to them. And we don't want to face up to them saying, "I I need God's help. I need God's power. I need God's ability. I need His help because I can't overcome this. I would hope that every one of you would realize that you're vulnerable. And there's no perfect people. Say there's no perfect people. I want you to know that you can be vulnerable to people close to you. Say, I'm weak, I'm tired, I'm struggling with this. Because that's really going to be one of the only ways you're going to overcome your struggles is being vulnerable to someone else. Because in America, we have this concept. I'm an American and uh, we don't let people know because we're, we're strong all the time and we have this rugged individualism, which is great sometimes, but it's also a curse because it doesn't admit that you have struggles. You have fears. You have real issues that you're dealing with. You have real giants that are trying to destroy you. I want to challenge you. 
You need to stop saying the right things and start going to the right person. Stop trying to talk yourself out of problems. Wait a minute, Pastor. You just said the last few weeks that we need to think right. You do. You need to think right, but you need to think right because you're hanging out with God. And you can, you can go to all the self-help books and all the seminars. You can watch all that stuff online. And you, can, you can keep repeating that every day. And you see the children of Israel every day. The army of Israel would, would repeat, this, we're going to win, we're going to win. But they ran in, in, in fear when Goliath got up. And you see, some of you need to do this. James 4.10 says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. You see, this is something you and I, it's a human thing. None of us like to humble ourselves. None of us like to say, I'm sorry. None of us like to say, we're wrong. None of us like to say, I, I need help, right? Come on. None of you would like to do that. But we can learn. If we say, God, I need your help. God, I lean on you. I don't know how to answer this, Lord. I don't know how to deal with this giant. And David didn't necessarily know how to do it exactly, but he knew that God was with him. He had a plan. We'll talk about that in a moment. But his, his answer was, I'm going to go to God. Because God loves me, and I know that God is, is for me, and that we will overcome this giant. And see, some of you need to admit that you need to know God today. Some of you, again, I'm, I'm like, when, when I have an issue or a struggle or there's an issue, I try to come up with five plans. I come up with things, okay, I'm going to deal with this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to take care of this. And, and sometimes I need to say, you know what, I'm just going to give it to God first. Before I make a mess of this, God, I want to give it to you. I need your help. I don't know what to do. I don't know where the resources come. I don't know how to answer this. But Father, I know that you do and I'm going to come to you. Humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift you up. Have the courage to know that God knows what you need before you ask Him. And sometimes He's just waiting for you to ask Him. So I want to challenge you. David knew to go to God. I want you to go to God. Know that God is going to take care of you. Come on, amen? You don't need to know everything. You don't need to know how to figure everything out, but you just need to know that God can do that. Come on, amen? God is good. So here's, here's the rest of the snake story, okay? So, so I already talked to you, but Dr. Rakes had stepped on the snake. He freaked out, runs in the house. The snake goes off. He's living in fear of the snake for, for a long time. And so, he, in fact, let me just read part of this to you because I, I want to get it right. This is, this is funny. And, and so one day he, he's in his office and he's, and he's calling home to make sure his, his son and daughter got home from school. So, so let me read this to you. Can, can I do that? Are you good? Okay, too bad because I'm going to do it anyway. So he calls and his, his, dad or aunt, his daughter answers the phone and said, there's a huge snake out back by the pool. What? I said, this is Dr. Reese. What? Oh my, she said. He's grabbed a trash bag and is running towards it. Sitting at my desk at the college, I, I, I said louder, what? Oh man, he's just grabbed it by the tail and it's trying to bite him. What? So you, I mean, you got to hear him yelling this. Or, I, said, I said even uh, more loudly, oh, he got it, she said. He's just put it in the trash bag. And he, of course, he is saying, I was going crazy on the other end of the line. I couldn't believe my ears. Later that night over dinner, we went over the events again and again and laughed as we teased my son for having watched too many nature shows on TV. The difference, let me read this to you so we can talk about it. The difference between the two snake stories is profound. I was afraid of my snake and let it dominate my thoughts for more than a year. But my son had seen snakes captured on television and demonstrated courage by chasing it down and bagging it up. And so what I want to do, I want to encourage you that you need to stop living in fear and just bag up those bad thoughts. 
bag up those doubts, bag up those negative words. And I love what Gabby said, to put it in your hand and just let it go to God. When, that, when, when you're facing something and, and, and you might remember, and maybe your parents were loving, maybe we're not, and I don't know, but I, I meet people and they say, my mom and dad said I would never amount to much. Or my mom and dad didn't care for me. Or, or my, my, you know, whatever. Take all those negative thoughts and put them in a bag and say, these are not of God. These will not control my life anymore. These negative thoughts will not dominate my life. Come on, amen? What negative giants are dominating your heart and your mind today? Right now. Some of you, I said that and automatically those things came to your mind. You're living in fear of that. You're like, I can't overcome this. I can't. And I'm here to tell you, you can. Through the power of Jesus Christ, you can overcome. Romans 8.31 says this. What then shall... I'm sorry, what, should we, what, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, then who can be against us? You know, I've said this, but I want you to know that. Whatever giant or snake is in your life, God is for you. And then I love this, Romans 8, 37 and 39, and I repeat this every once in a while, but I want you to start living this out. I want you to see this. See, again, God loves you. Know in all these things, we are more than conquerors to Him who loved us. For I am convinced neither death nor light, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future or any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Too many of you have let the negative things of the world separate you from God's love. Well, God doesn't love me. He's mad at me. And and you need to listen to last week's sermon about that. He's not mad at you. He will discipline us when we need to be disciplined, but it's always in love to bring us back to a relationship with Him. Nothing in this world should be able to separate you from the love of God. Come on, amen? Let's, let's talk about doing something. You doing good? Yeah. Doing something. So let's, let's pick up again. 1 Samuel 17, 50-54. So the first thing you need to do is you need to be honest. You need to say, I'm not in the place where I need to be, but God can help me be in that place. Come on, amen? You need to face your giant. You need to face the snake. You need to face the truth. And the truth is God loves you. Now let's talk about doing something. 1 Samuel 17. 50-54. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Then the Philistines saw that their hero was dead. They turned and ran, and the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath, to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the, the Shaharan road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put the, he put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. So the first part here is sincerity is not enough. Did you know that you can be sincerely wrong? I have another account, and, and I just I just got to share you because this this made me laugh a little bit. So so Dr. Mike Rakes was was living in Orlando, and uh, so he, him and his family were, were going out to dinner one night. And so if you've ever, you ever been to Orlando, anybody know anybody know where Florida is? Everyone ever been lost? Anyone ever like had a had maps and and you didn't understand the maps? You ever got lost? Okay, and so what happens was he would say, oftentimes we see tourists. It's about dinner time, and, and we, he saw this car on the side of the road, and he could tell that they were they were foreigners. And, and he, you know, and I'm not 
profiling. He wasn't profiling. He just knew they were foreigners. And, and so he saw them on the side of the road and they, they had the map and you can see they're animated and they were lost. And, and many times he's pulled over and said, hey, can I help you? And he's pointing in the right direction. So he pulls over, actually pulls in front of the car. He gets out to help these people. And, and, and the guy, he, he sees at their map and he sees, the wife's yelling at him. You know how it is if you've ever been in the car. And they're lost. And so he starts walking and, and the guy yells out to him in a broken language, go away, go away. It's like, fine, I'm not going to help him. He gets in the car, he goes and enjoys a dinner with his family. So now it's, it's nighttime, you know, and so they're, 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 his family's heading home after the dinner and they see this car again, but it's on the other side of the highway now, going in the wrong direction. And they're, they're, they haven't moved much farther. And so, so now he finds, okay, so they pull back around, they go and they, they pull in front. And now this time, because the dad has, you know, in the car has his arms folded, the map's on top of the steering wheel, and they're just, like this. And so finally he walks and, and he walks and he's like, can I help? And they're like, yes, please help us. Please help us. And so finally he's like, okay, can you just go? There? And, and the wife's like, no, can you just take us? Because we're not doing good with directions right now. Can you just show us the way? So it was just two right turns and he took them right to the hotel. And it was that simple. But you see, sometimes you and I can be sincerely wrong. And you see, this, this man, because of his pride, they, were, they, 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 they had the maps, they had the car, they, but they were sincerely wrong. And, and some of you men are like, oh, I, don't, I don't need directions, I know where I'm going, right? Right? Some of you ladies are that way. I know it's not always men. And you see, just like the tourist, some of us in this world are sincerely lost and we're sincerely wrong because we don't want to admit that we need help. Or that we could use some extra directions. And you see, unfortunately, and I, and I don't mean to st- strike up negative thoughts, but people that crashed the jetliners into the buildings on, in this nation September 11th, they were sincerely lost and they were sincerely wrong. And our world tells us if you're just sincere enough, you will get to the right place. If you're sincere enough, things will be right. And, and in, this, in this situation, this family stuck on the highway, they were sincerely wrong. And you see, sometimes in the Christian faith, you and I get stuck on something, we get stubborn, and we can be sincerely wrong. Come on, amen? And some of you need to submit to God and humble yourself, and I already said that. You see, David was the hero that led God's people out of bondage. Saul was sincerely wrong. They were sincere. Every day they would get up and do the same thing and they were sincerely wrong. They were losing the battle. David comes in and he points them and he brings them to a new way. And I want to challenge you this morning. Say, you know what? God can bring me in the right direction. You see, the world we live in, listen to this. Many people in this world are sincere about getting to their location, but they're lost, they're on the wrong road, and they're headed in the wrong direction. And you see, David was the hero for the people of Israel. And God has called you to be a hero for those people that are they're sincerely wrong. They're lost. They're on the wrong road, going in the wrong direction. And you know Jesus and you know the way and the truth. And it's our job as believers to start saying, you know what, we are the David to this generation. To my school, my home, my, my workplace, this community, the communities, the nations of the world. I'm telling you, when you and I begin to believe that, things are going to change in our lives and in this church and the church worldwide. When we realize, you know what, I don't have all the answers, but I know a God that has the answers, and I can be a David to them, things can change. You see, some of you need to pull over, you need to ask God for help to help you find your way again. 
This morning, some of you are stuck. And maybe, I remember someone asking when we first moved here, have you, have you ever like driven the Beltway, the 495, the whole circle one time? Someone said they were lost and they drove it a couple times. And I said, no, I haven't yet. You see, some of you are like that. You're driving on the Beltway and you're, and you're missing all the exits, but you're stubborn. You see, some of you are just circling in life, and you're, you're like, I'm going somewhere, but you're going nowhere. You're just wasting a lot of time and energy, but you're not willing to pull aside. So you know what? I don't have all the answers. There is this giant, or there's this snake that, that's keeping me living in fear, and you need to let go and say, God, help me. Come on, amen? So with that, then, you need to be specific. You see, many followers of Jesus don't actually know where they're going. We have this, the American dream. Get married, have a kid, have 2.5 kids, have a dog and a, and a cat, and ha, you know, have this nice home, and, and get this nice job, and then your kids go off to, uh, to a, uh, uh, an Ivy League school or whatever, and then they're successful, and then, then you retire, you, re, you retire to Florida, or you retire to wherever you want to retire to, and then life is good. And, and that might be the case, but the problem is too many Christians in America, we think that's God's plan. Consumers, well, I'll go and I'll, I'll live this life and God will bless me. And sometimes he does. But the problem is the world is telling us how to live our lives. Remember I told you about the counselor in school? God bless her, nice lady. But she didn't know God's plan for my life. She was trying to push me in a way that God did not plan for my life. And you see, some of you, you're, you're like, well, my, my family's always done this or I'm good at this. And, 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 but have you prayed? Said, God, will you help me to know exactly what I'm supposed to do? Whether you're a carpenter, an IT person, a teacher, a cook, or whatever, you can be happy at whatever you're called to do, as long as God is behind it. And you see, the other thing is, sometimes in life we just go from, you know, we're, we're in a job, we hate our job, we, we can't stand our job, and we're like, well, if I lose this job, I can't pay my bills, and I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Can I tell you this? Don't live in that fear. If you hate your job and it's not where God wants you, then you need to say, God, help me to be where you want me to be. Don't Live your life stuck, driving around and not willing to pull over and say, God, I need help. God wants you free today. He wants you to be who you are called to be. You've got to be specific. God, what's the plan for my life? God has a plan for your life. You see, the world bullies us. The world bullies us, says we can't do this. Churches can't do that. Churches can't talk about this. Yes, we can. We're the church of God. It's Jesus who's the answer. Jesus has the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. Come on, amen? And to defeat these giants, so you've got to know your plan, you've got to live it out, and you've got to work it out. You've got to know what God's called you to do. And, and God bless you. Again, I'm not trying to say anything wrong with you if you have a business plan or, or uh, you have, you, you're a good at these, these things and, and you should go with your dreams, but they have to be God's dreams. You see, David faced problems, but he knew that God had a plan for his life. The children of Israel had a, had, a, had a problem, but they didn't know God's plan. They didn't seek God. So let me move on, okay? David prepared for the battle. He was specific. I, in, in my office, on one of my shelves, I, on one of my bookcases, I have five smooth stones. And every once in a while, I have to remind myself, God has a plan for my life. That... Every one of you are David to someone. And so there's five smooth stones. So David had a plan when he was going to face the devil, or the devil, the Goliath, who was the devil. If you see the, if you, you remember I read this, it didn't say that he let Goliath come to him. He ran to Goliath. So that takes mental capacity. Because in danger, most of us either, it's fight or flight. Right? 
So God bless soldiers and, and airmen and marines and, and, and police officers and firefighters that run to danger. Some of them have to train. Say, I've got to face this. I'm going to run to danger. But most of us, we're going to run away from danger. You see, David did not run from danger. He ran to danger knowing that God was with him. Christians, we're so soft. We run from the devil. We run from the world. We run from, from these issues. We need to run to them with the power of God. Say, so we're going to overcome this. David had five smooth stones. Let me just, just tell you. He had five smooth stones. Not one, not four. He had five because he probably knew how many shots it would take him to take, a, take something out. He had probably practiced it enough. I need at least five stones to take out this giant. Okay? He was prepared. He was prepared. So you need to be prepared in life. Come on, amen? That's wise. He mentally prepared for the battle, knowing that God was with him. He mentally prepared for the battle, spiritually prepared for the battle, because he knew God was with him. He also thought about what words he would say to, to Goliath. He, he thought through this. He didn't, just run, he didn't just go without a plan. He had a plan. I got five smooth stones. God's with me. Well, here's what I'm going to say to him. And as I already said, he knew to run to the giant, not run away. You must know, the believer in Jesus Christ, you must know how to fight spiritually. You and I fear, well, I don't know, I don't need that weird praying in the Spirit, and Pentecostal stuff, that scares me. And that's the, exactly what the devil wants the church to be. Afraid of Pentecost. Afraid of the Holy Spirit. And as I've told you, if you've not read the book, Touch the World Through Prayer by Wesley Duell, you need to read it because it, it tells you how to pray in the Spirit and how to fight the devil. And I already told you last week the sermon links and I apologize if you didn't do it. By the way, you can go to iTunes, type in iTunes, Rockville Assembly God, and the sermons will pop up there. So any, there's one up there on, on praying with authority. It's, it's in there. So find it. Just listen to it. Okay, come on. Come on, amen. Have a plan. Know how to fight spiritually. Know that God is with us. You see, David knew that he must then cut off the head of, of Goliath. By doing that, he was breaking the bondage that Goliath had over the people. So when the soldiers saw that David cut off his head and, and he held a, the, the Philistines ran into fear and the children of Israel, what did it say? It says they shouted and they surged forward. And see, some of you, you need to cut the snake's head off. You need to cut the giant's head off and say, hey man, I am overcoming this in the name of Jesus. Number three is use what God provided. Now, let me finish up here. Use what God provided. David took the enemy's weapons intended to hurt him and used them to finish off the giant. You see, God provided the weapons, five smooth stones, and he used the, the tool of the enemy. He turned the tool on the enemy. Some of you were like, well, we don't have enough money, we don't have enough resources, I don't have the plan, but I'll let you know God has given you everything you need to fight the battle. You don't need everything. Well, I need another sermon, I need another Bible study. You know, you need to just call on God's power. You need to start doing something. Come on, amen? Let me move on. In fact, let me read this to you. Second Peter 1, 3-4. through 4. Second Peter his divine power has given us everything we need for life. What does everything for life mean? Everything for life. God has given you everything for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him, Jesus, who's called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. To go forward in life means that you must actually go with a specific plan and say, God has given me everything I need to succeed in life. If I don't have it, He will provide it when I need it. Come on, amen? Go forward in life. K 
Can you imagine David walking around with the, Goli- with the head of Goliath? Again, he was showing off, saying, hey, this thing does no longer controls us. Some of you need to do that. So this thing no longer controls my life. Take back your thoughts. Take back your life. Fill your mind with God thoughts. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Your company that's struggling, maybe God will give you the answer for that company. Your business that's, that's, that's tanking, maybe the relationship at home, whatever it is, that struggle you're dealing with, God can give you the answer to that. Now to him who is able. Number four, trust means doing something. Our success-driven society says if you just keep working hard and you just go at it, you can overcome it. Sometimes that's the truth, but you see again, David saw that the armies of Israel and Saul kept doing the same thing over and over and over and they weren't getting anywhere. Sometimes you need to get outside the box. You need to say, God, what is it? I need to trust in you. I need to believe in you. Come on, amen. I need to trust in you. The weapons of doing something means you need to go to God for the solution. God has a solution for everything you're doing. I just read it. Everything you need in life is provided by God. And I want to read this last couple of scriptures to you. It's in your times of struggles, in your times of darkness, when, when the enemy tells you you can't or you're, you're not going to do much or, or, or life is too much. Look at, bless you, look at the words of David. Psalm 62, 1 and 2. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Think about this. David knew that because he lived it. And then lastly, here's the words of Jesus. And this is where the church struggles with. Jesus says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. You see, you've got to put God's words into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on this ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. You see, there's too many people in the church. We say we believe God, but we don't put his words into practice. And I want to challenge you, don't be that person. Be the one that puts the words of God into practice. And I guarantee you, some of your issues are going to go away overnight. Some of your issues might take some time because you took time getting into it. It might take some time getting out of it. But I guarantee you, if you get your feet on the solid rock of Jesus, you begin to put his words into practice, things are going to start turning out better. Your giants are going to go. You're going to be able to have victory over the darkness. You're going to be able to overcome these struggles you're dealing with. Are you ready for God to show you victory? Would you stand with me this morning? I don't know if the worship team wants to come just for a few moments. Are you ready for God's power to overcome your darkness? Are you ready for God to work in your life? Come on, amen. You must stop living passive spiritually. You must start putting God's word into practice. Apply it to your life. You see, Jesus is the truth and he will give you the power to do something. And today there are some of you in this room, the, the Goliath in your life has held you back for too long. Or that snake has made you change the course of your life because you're living in fear of the enemy. And I want to tell you that God is greater than 